It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on a special Monday holiday edition, July 5th, after an LA Galaxy 2-0 loss to Sporting Kansas City. You should be upset about that loss, but you should also understand that the LA Galaxy think that they played very well, and I agree with them, and there was probably some progress. We're going to talk about that Sporting Kansas City game going to tell you who stood out, who didn't stand out, who needs to improve, all sorts of interesting stuff, injuries, and got a little crazy on uh, on Sunday night. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about that. We have some breaking news. We're going to bring that to you somewhere in the middle of the show. Stick around for that. And then, of course, we're going to get you ready for the FC Dallas game coming up on Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. kickoff time on Spectrum Sportsnet. All right, that's what we got for you to help me do all of it. It's the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how you doing, buddy? My camera's already freezing. We're just getting started. I mean, you know, I, I would say a lot of people would hope that you'd stay frozen. But. Yeah, or, or at least all black. You said this is a holiday edition. Ho- There's no holiday today. We holiday are, was yesterday. We're, we're past the holiday. We're post-holiday. This is the observance day of July 4th, whenever it falls on a Sunday. So it is still tech. It is technically a holiday. It is the day we observe the day off that we get, really. It's like we observe See, it once and then twice. See, language is important. And Michael Araujo and I had this conversation yesterday in the press box. There's something in the close here, and I can't remember, that you wrote, that when we go off the air, that Michael reads, that, that I always have a problem with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think or it's he, conditional. He, he, told me, he told me about it, and then he was like, hey, I was just talking to Kevin, and he was harassing me about something. He goes, he goes do I really need... He goes, he goes, I don't really need to record anything. I go, Kevin makes no decisions about what you record and don't record. <laughs> You're good, right? So he's, he's all happy. Do you even so. remember what it is? It's, it's, something, it's, it's something conditional, where if, I, if this, then that. Yeah, it is. It's something like that. And I think, I think Mike and I uh, workshopped that while we were doing it because I had an idea and he's like, actually, I think I say this. So I, at the end of games, he may actually be conditional because we tried to take it from his end that he normally says at games and work that into that. So that was that was something there. I don't know. It was it's not that much fun. It, it, a, a, an example would be when you go to the store and and, and the, the, the someone a worker in the store says, if you need anything, my name is Bill. Yeah. Well, so your name's not Bill no. if I don't need anything. Yes, 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 of course. So of course, that's a teaser. Another, that's what we call a teaser in the business. It's, Listen for the close of the show, and it's, if you can pick up on that, yeah, stay all the way until that. It's funny. Two, two free tickets to anyone who identifies. It's, the, it's funny because, and I do this on YouTube videos too. I don't expect people to stick around or, or do anything like that. But like on Spotify, it tells you where like everybody's checked in. Well, as soon as I say like good night and we start saying our goodbyes, everybody just turns it off. It's gone. Nobody ever hears the end of the show. I'm gonna start leaving like little nuggets at the end of the show that like people oh. have to listen to, like just like code words that will get you something. Thing or, you know. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because we didn't talk about that a couple of weeks ago. Whenever we do an interview with Sasha Kleshton, he does that. It's like if you if you go see In the Heights, the movie, by the way, and you should, um, stick around for the end, be, uh, way at the end, all through the credits, the songs, you know, the um, everything. And at the end, there is a bonus video that you're going to want to see. But Sasha Kleshton does that with the interviews. Everybody else, when they're done, they all just say, you know, we say that's all the questions we have, and they say thank you, and they leave. Sometimes they don't even say thank you. Sometimes they just leave. Right. Sasha Kleshton always has a little nugget. He says at the end of last year, he thanked all the media for covering the team t- during a difficult year, and he spent like a minute thanking us. Uh, on Father's Day, I think it was, yep, he said he was. happy yeah, Father's Day to everybody. All the fathers have a happy Father's Day. He is. He's, he's very... 
he's very at ease with the media. I hope that he teaches other players how to use us correctly because I feel like Sasha uses us correctly in a way that benefits him. Listen, I'm all about that, by the way. I think players should be very comfortable talking with the media and use us as they see fit. Um, because Kevin, we've had players who have come to us about things that they were passionate about and been like, I really want to talk about this. And most of the time we're like, yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about this. Let's see. I mean, most of the time it's pretty interesting, their point of views. And anytime you can get an honest observable point of view from somebody, you want it. Right. And Sasha Kleshin does that well, I think. Well, two things about that. I mean, Julian Araujo has got a lot of publicity for what he does with farm workers, right. which is great. Um, you know, first of all, I, I'm not sure whether I want to admit to being used, but um, we are a conduit for them um, when when they have things like that they want to talk about. Taylor Twelman said the other day that when he made the transition into being a broadcaster um, and saw things from the other side, he was very critical of his former self as a player that he did not interact with the media more he said I, if i would have been smart i could have used it yep. to my benefit yeah and but, you're, you know talking exactly what you're talking about yeah by the way uh, uh like if there was a, a hate meter right that ran along our show you talking about taylor twelman would that would like <laughs> it would double up. yeah it, it would like you know all the way i could talk about taylor twelman and not get as much hate but you definitely i'm sure that okay, shot okay let's go back and edit that and, and just call him an espn uh analyst there you go that's good that's what we'll, we'll do that no it's all good uh lots of fun by the way a little super chat from aaron aaron says speaking of sasha i noticed he ran from the warm-up area at the corner of the players bench to translate apparently something for uh revolution on, and we have to keep saying it's oh, we need to we need to come up with a nickname for 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 Ryan. I, I gave you one. You want to use. No, it. I'm not using that one. King Julius. Come on. No, no it's from no, Madagascar. No, Perfect. No, no. I think I, it just feels like you belittle. Anyway, we're going to talk about that. Let's uh, let's get to this game. Uh, Kevin, Fourth of July, twenty three thousand five hundred and something. I forget the exact number, but it was you know, it was up there. Good crowd. Um, you know, we sort of talked a little bit and I said, you know, every, I can tell everybody's not quite ready to get back yet. Right. It's just there's just a little bit. There's still like a 10 percent of people who are like, I'm not coming back to the stadium yet. You can see it um, like on that night, because normally that would be, you know, you get another 2000 people on that. And that's basically that's a sellout for for the LA Galaxy and everything else. So there's just a little bit. But um, it seemed like everybody enjoyed themselves and they were treated to. I know the scoreline doesn't doesn't reflect this, Kevin, but they were treated to one of the best LA Galaxy performances in quite a while they were treated to an entertaining game for sure um you know outside of the scoreline i don't know that you could have asked for much more um you know from the LA galaxy and from a game on july 4th it was an exciting game and it was a, a good crowd really a frustrating game though i mean the galaxy had 19 shots seven on goal um it's their second highest total in both categories this year. But what's interesting is, you know, and we'll talk about Chicharito going out in the in the warmups. You know, Chicharito has finished seventy one percent of his shots on goal. No other player in the galaxy has more than one goal from the run of play. Um, they just, you know, yes, they put a lot of shots on goal. Yes, they were dangerous. But man, it just seems like nobody can finish. It is, and and you know I've, I'm seeing Oops, Chicharito's in there. He's, yeah, I know, I know. There's I, I, was, him. I was showing the uh, the LA Galaxy lineup. Here's the thing, and let's go over the timeline of this. Um, they announced Chicharito as a starter. He came out for warmups. We all expected him to do it. You and I were talking to somebody, and then we got tapped on the shoulder, and we were told, "Hey, we're gonna have a change." And at that point, I went and looked at my Twitter feed, and I had about six questions of people going, what happened to Chicharito? I saw he left during warm warm-ups, and I was like, oh, good job, Josh. Way to pay attention. Um, and so then we contacted the LA Galaxy, and uh, basically, uh, he they had been monitoring this, and we talked to Greg Vanny afterwards, so this is how we know this. They had been monitoring his right calf. Uh, that's the same, same one he tore last year. That's Sorry. right. No, no, no. no. You, it was you who had it, so I was going to point to you for that anyway. Um, it is the same one he tore last year. It was the one that put him out for two months. Um, and so they had been monitoring it because it was bothering him a little bit throughout the week. And so they were monitoring it. They sort of adjusted his work schedule. So that way maybe it would, uh, uh, lessen the strain that was on him at the time. So they were doing all this stuff and they thought he was going to be ready. Um, he gets out there, he runs out, and basically I'm sure he said, I don't think I'm ready. Like there's something, it's something. It was all precautionary from what we were told. And so therefore the severity, you know, one, I don't think they know. And two, I think they're downplaying any sort of severity, at least right now, because they don't know what the answer is. Um, but with Chicharito and that calf, he doesn't play. So 
a late scratch. And what happens with a late scratch is you're able to replace that person with somebody from the bench, but you're not able to replace somebody on the bench for the person that you pulled off the bench, right? So an 18-man roster becomes a 17-man uh, roster with uh, Ethan Zubak taking over for Chicharito there at the top. So um, that's all happened relatively quickly before the game started, and it was uh, a surprise and a little bit of a shock, I'm sure, to, to most people who are watching. And I you know, ultimately, if you go through and you, you look at back at this game, it probably had a profound effect because I think if we're all betting people, we'd say that Chicharito probably gets at least one goal in this game if he's the target um, instead of Ethan Zubak or somebody else. Well, and, and by the way, I got a lot of uh, queries from people today asking how Chicharito and, and Sega Atari Kulabali are. We don't know. I asked the Galaxy today. Um, they... Greg Vanny said multiple times in the press conference yesterday that we will do examination Monday. We won't know until Monday. Monday we'll find out. Well, okay, today is Monday. So I asked the Galaxy said Greg Vanny will, um, you know, make an announcement Tuesday at the press briefing. Well, yeah. what's he going to say? How are they doing? Greg Vanny will make an announcement. That, that generally means there is some news that they don't want to talk about. My feeling is you got a 10-day break coming up after Wednesday. And you and I kind of argued about this in the press box yesterday. There's a 10-day break coming up. Um, if you play them and they strain their, those in, uh, by the way, I think Sega's probably, he looked like he was hurt, but if they play those guys and, and the muscle isn't completely healed, right? that's a big setback where if you don't play them and you give them the 10 day break, then they've got almost two weeks before they play again, um, a time to fully heal. I just think starting them in the middle of that 10, uh, you know, before that 10 day break and then giving them t t time off, I think you blow that. Give them one more. Give them one more game. Generally, the rule of thumb I always hear is wait till the guy is ready to play, and then give him one more game. Yeah, I mean, here's the other. Here's the sort of the counter to that is, which is, if the guy is fine, if he doesn't, if he says he's fine and he feels good, right? An extra, why, why get him out there whenever he can play? Now, I don't want anybody. You shouldn't be forcing it. I agree with you. If he's not fine, if he's like, yeah, I think I'm okay, that's not a time to play him. And so I would. And you got to be able to beat Dallas without those guys. I'm sorry if you can't beat Dallas at home without those guys. I mean, that's the. That's the sort of the anticipation of how good the LA Galaxy are, right? We're constantly trying to figure out how good the LA Galaxy are, right? And so far, they beat the teams we have expected them to beat, right? But they haven't beat a winning, haven't beat a team with a winning record yet. But at the same time, in both of those games, which it was, well, I guess three games because it was Seattle and it was Seattle twice and Sporting Kansas City once, right? And Portland. And Portland. That again. I mean, I don't know how you can sit there and you know you you can't you certainly can't draw conclusions on the Portland game. Um, and when you look at the two games that they played really well, which was the Seattle game, uh, the two one loss at home, and this Sporting Kansas City game, you can't say that the LA Galaxy were outclassed or outworked or were out of their league in any such way. So so far, what we're being pointed to is that the LA Galaxy seem like they're a top five team in the Western Conference. That's what at least my feeling is right now um and they may be better than that their high end seems to be a little bit better because the tough teams that they're playing they play them very well um you know in this game uh you had so much that went against the la galaxy i mean a superbly talented sporting kansas city team looked like they didn't belong on the field with the la galaxy in the first half and that's after you lose chicharito um and then you go ahead and you lose sega Kulabale. i mean you know and and people in the uh in the chat room are asking about danilo acosta and how come he's not on the bench either well he's also coming back from injury of some sort because greg vanny talked about him last week saying he was on track to get back so I mean, we go for injuries right now for the LA Galaxy and coming out of this game, Kevin, the injury list is is super long. And, and I should also point out the unavailable list is super, super long, right? Because you, Steris, Derek, Steris injured, Derek Williams suspended, right, one more game. Right. Um, you have Sega Koulibaly out now. You have Chicharito out. You had People Gonzalez on international duty, right? So he wasn't available. You had Efra. You had um, Jonathan Dos Santos on international duty. You're going to lose Sebastian Legette after this midweek game. Um you know, this you know, there, there were no defenders left when Koulibaly went out. That's why King King, King Julius Jim. had to move back uh, into a center back position. That's probably the first time this year anyone on the Galaxy bench said, "Hey, where's people?" 
Yeah, it is. And like Greg Vanny actually had to like look for him for a second. It was like, oh yeah, that's right. He's yeah. he's gone. He, he's he's out playing with uh, Costa Rica. Um, you know, uh, you had uh, O'Neill as well. Um, is out with Jamaica. Um, so you have all these guys. There, I mean, there was nobody left on the bench to play when when Koulibaly went out. First of all, they didn't have any more center backs. Um, and so you had uh, you know Revolution going back and playing in that center back position, which by the way he's capable of. And Greg Vanny even highlighted that when they signed him, saying, yeah, he could even fill in for us there. And if you looked at his positioning, and let's talk about this first half um, and the first 40 minutes of, of watching, uh, you know, Ryan uh, Revolution, he was outstanding. I mean, Greg Vanny called him outstanding. He was calm, we're, confident. Um, we're talking about a revolution. Yeah, I know. Re- revolution. <laughs> yes. Um, it, he was he was everything the LA Galaxy ever wanted in a six. Short sample size. You got to see him for 90 minutes and, you know, what? Uh, let's see, 50 of those minutes he was at playing center back, right? And Greg Vanny says, you know, he wasn't even scheduled to play 90 minutes. The only reason he went that long was because he got to play some of that at center back. Um, but just the heap of praise that was that was sort of uh, uh, given to, you know, Ryan in, the, in his debut, I mean, the LA Galaxy, in one game, you have to sit there and said hit a home run with him. He was dynamic. He was defensively strong. He wasn't out physical in, in any of this stuff, right? I mean, he was in there. He was battling. He made several good plays to tackle players off the ball against a very good midfield in uh, in Sporting Kansas City. And, you know, everybody talks about Busio and how good Busio was going to be. Busio wasn't in this game. The LA Galaxy did a great job of marking him out of this game. He really didn't have a good game at all. Uh, you know, Johnny Russell scores his first goal of the season. Um, and so you go through this whole whole thing. And, and you know, I don't want to say that the 2 nothing result wasn't deserved for Sporting. It is. They capitalized on the mistake. But you have Adam Saldana who had to come in and sort of cover whenever, um, you know, Sega Koulibaly came out. I don't know that I would have made that sub. Um, I don't know that I wouldn't have put Sasha Kleshin in that spot and, and let him play because Saldana has proven that he can cough up the ball in dangerous spots. And that's absolutely what happened in this game. Um, Adam Saldana coughed up the ball in a dangerous position, Kevin, and that cost the LA Galaxy the game. You you would like to say it's a team problem, right? You would like to say, oh, well, the team let this happen. And certainly, if you don't finish your chances, that's a team problem. But whenever you're going back to the mistake that happened, it was Adam Saldana. It wasn't Jonathan Bond. Somebody tried to tell me it was Jonathan Bond's pass. He, Saldana had plenty of time to get the ball, to move the ball, and do something. He took a bad touch. Johnny Russell made him pay. That's it. And Jonathan Bond even tried to bail him out after it. Well, and the goal came on the rebound, which is always interesting to me. I talked to Matt Reese when he was Galaxy goalkeeper coach, and he told me there's – I don't know what Jonathan Bond could have done differently on this, but I just thought about it when it, the the header – the, the ball came in, Bond punched it back, Russell jumped all over it, and it had a little header that went over his head. Um, if he catches that ball, that doesn't happen. And Matt Reese told me once, and something I've watched for ever since, American keepers generally catch the ball because they grow up catching the ball in football, basketball, baseball. They catch the ball. Um, and European keepers almost always punch it out because they're used to playing without their hands. Um, you know, if Jonathan Bond catches the ball there, maybe Russell doesn't score. By the way, Kansas City, you talked about the dominant dominance of the Galaxy. Kansas City didn't even have a shot of any kind until first half stoppage time. Yep. Yeah, and that was on a set piece. <laughs> and if you talk about Re- Revolution, um, you know, he hasn't played a lot lately. I do, he played a full season in France, but then he's been off and training in France and trying to get over here, and he's only trained a few times with the Galaxy. And we talk about no other center backs. Um, he's probably going to have to play, a f- unless Daniel Sturridge can come back, he may have to play another full game with just two days rest. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at center back, right? I mean, it's, it's one of those, it's like, he's, he's going to play center back. Um, pro- I would imagine coming up against Dallas, the, the LA galaxy don't have it. Unless Steris, I, I understand Steris may be ready on the seventh, but again, with that injury, you really want to give him the extra 10 days, I think. Yeah. I mean, you know, the whole thing, by the way, let's go back to Jonathan bond and that whole thing. I know you were just sort of, you were talking about what Matt Reese had told you. Um, there's no way he's catching that ball. He had, the shot was like from, you know, six yards away from him after the turnover. So pretty tight, um, tight area to try to even get a hand on the ball. And it was a reaction save as it was. Um, I've seen guys go over the middle with safeties hanging on them and they catch the ball. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Not from they, the, the quarterback, Tom Brady, isn't firing it from four <laughs> yards away. So, um, it, the other thing is, um, you know, talking about Jonathan bond in my eyes, something wasn't right with him. Um, on, on Sunday night, I have no incident. I did information. I'm just going on observance. Um, he seemed shaky. 
He seemed, I mean, it almost like he seemed nervous, Kevin, and that's not what it was. I don't believe that he was nervous. I think that he's has an injury of some sort. His clearances weren't as strong as they normally are. Uh, his passing wasn't as good. He didn't seem as mobile all the time, right? A lot of his stuff was was very short in terms of the passes that he made. Um, and so for, for me, something I think is going on with Jonathan Bond. I don't know if that's the case. Um, but at least in my eyes, that was not that was one of his poor performances. Um, and I, by the way, I don't think anything was his fault. There was nothing he was going to do about any of that stuff. But he just didn't seem 100 percent to me. Um, and so for me, th- there's something to watch there and certainly to watch for on Wednesday night is whether or not Jonathan Bond looks like himself again. And maybe he was just nervous or whether there really was maybe or was and is some sort of injury concern because. Um, I got I, I talked to a couple different people who were sort of like, yeah, that seemed that seemed weird um, from him. So uh, now do you think it was uneasy the whole game because he does have this rotating cast of characters coming through in front of him um, and he's got to learn every one of them. And, he, and, and, and some of them don't even speak English. So, um, you know, there's a problem with that. Was that you think that was part of it or did that happen before Koulibaly went out? Yeah, I think it happened before they're like, you know, and, and they're pointing it out in the chat room, too. Um, it was <laughs> the chat room's also suggesting the reason that Bond didn't play so well is he was upset because he was he was upset about American independence um, as an Englishman. He I thought about he, that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't it's think it's a celebratory thing. I, I don't I don't think he was. I don't think that was it. No, I, I just, you know, some balls bounced off his hand, hands. He had a, coughed up a couple little rebounds that you normally don't expect him to cough up. He just seemed a, a half a step slower than he normally is. To me, it's a physical thing and not a mental thing. At least that's what that's what I'm you know I'm looking at and trying to dissect. So um, just something to watch. Um, and so we'll have to we'll have to sort of see where he comes in. But you talk about the LA Galaxy, Victor Vasquez, outstanding and and very very good in this game. Um, they had so many chances, Kevin, so many chances. And when we get down to the bottom of this, is that um, somebody tried to tell me that Greg Vanny's system failed because it's not set up for um, a second goal scorer. It's only set up for a single goal scorer. Only one guy can score goals. And I sat there and said, Do you know how many people had chances at scoring goals yesterday? I go, It wasn't a system problem. I go, It was individual players' problems. I mean, Victor Vasquez had one that he probably mostly puts in. I think he even talked about it afterwards where he says, you know, yeah, I got my foot to it and put it over the bar. I wasn't expecting it to come all the way in, but you know, I got there. Um, you had uh, Sebastian Legette who probably had the best shot all night uh, to go in and it was deflected out by a Kansas City defender. Um, but that was from outside the box. And we were talking before this, the LA Galaxy haven't scored a goal from outside the box this year, Kevin. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of their shots in this game came from outside the box. I, it felt like maybe this was the uh, the night for them to get that outside the box goal. But when you count the number of chances, whether it's Grand Sieur, whether it is, um, you know, Vasquez, whether it was Cabral, who probably had two or three and we need to talk about Kevin Cabral for sure. Um, Grand Sieur had four shots on goal i mean he he was by the way standout performance from him right a lot of people were worried about him last couple of games talk about where he was this week or last uh, week yeah so so we we told you that he was planning on going to france after the vancouver game to visit his uh baby boy who was just born in france uh with his partner um and by the way we were talking about this we say partner because we don't know if it's a girlfriend or wife and we haven't gotten that cleared up and i don't want to call her something she's not so um but with uh his partner he went to go back and visit his baby boy um and that was supposed to happen after vancouver and he said you know what i'm gonna stay and i'm gonna play the game against san jose and he had a very good game against san jose but he did go to france after that san jose game he went and then he came back and he was ready for the game um, over the weekend. So what a what a round trip that was. I mean, you know, flying to Paris from L.A. is, I think, 11 hours uh, going in that direction and then coming back. And I doubt he was flying charter or anything else. So um, that's a long trip for that guy. And he had plenty of energy. I think uh, one of the big criticisms about him early, Kevin, is that, you know, he would run out of gas in like the first half. Um, but you saw a fairly strong Grand Sur all the way through 70, 75 minutes, I think, before he got subbed uh, finally. And even then, I don't know that I would have pulled him, but he's starting to cramp up a little bit, I think, from from some of that stuff. Yeah, I remember these players have just come here from Europe and we were in the middle of a heat wave that's hot even for us. Um, that's why I, I wonder about Revolution because or whatever, King Midas. I'm going to just keep, go with King, King Midas, Midas or King Julian. Yeah. King Julian. I, I just keep changing it. I, in fact, don't ever make it the same. Change it constantly. <laughs> yeah, they have to keep guessing. No, uh, that's why I worry about those uh, about him a little bit. He wasn't supposed to play ninety minutes. He was for ninety minutes, according to Vanny. Right now he's 
180 minutes in, in four days. Um, and this heat, yes, I know it's at night. It was a little cooler, but still, if you come from France, the temperature on Sunday night was pretty hot. Yeah. And it's going to be hot again if you come from France on Wednesday. Well, I mean, if you, I don't know, isn't it warm in France right now too? I mean, you know, but I mean. Yeah, that, but but he, I mean, he's played through the winter when it's been pretty chilly. Yeah. So, um, no, I mean, all, all that stuff. I mean, you look at this again, you don't have Sega. You don't have Dan Steris, you know, you don't have Derek Williams, you don't have JDS, you don't have Efra, you don't have Chicharito. You were down two designated players um, and you went and took the second place in the, the second place team in the Western Conference and you took them to the mat. You outplayed them, you outperformed them, you did everything that you were supposed to do except for score goals. And again, it wasn't a it wasn't a a system problem for me. This is not Greg Vanny. Greg Vanny doesn't know how to get other people to score. Look back at all those chances. These are individual player problems, right? This is Cabral and certainly Cabral. Um, I think if there's anybody who laid an egg on the night, it was Kevin Cabral. You saw him almost score like 12 times against San Jose over exaggeration. It was two or three. Um, but you saw him almost score a bunch against San Jose and you hope that he would have to sort of get that confidence and build something. And then you see him going in here on a day when Chicharito isn't going to be there. You knew Kevin Cabral was going to be an important part of this offense and he didn't show up and he didn't perform. Uh, so far to me, Kevin, he looks like he doesn't understand how physical the league is. It looks like he's expecting to get, you know, those, those league league two uh, French calls, like where somebody breathes on you and you fall down and it's a red guard. Um, he's not going to get any of that in MLS and he's got to figure out how to be more physical or avoid the physicality using his speed. Um, a lot of his stuff is too predictable for me, but outside of all that, the one touch finishes the stuff where he's put in a good position. He had one um, early in the game where he got it on the left-hand side. He cut in and he had space and had the ability to shoot from just outside the box and he shot it and it was basically right at the goalkeeper. It's those types of things where when he has space, when he has time, I need to see more from him if he's going to be, you know, a productive part of this LA galaxy team, because right now, um, and, and somebody said it, <laughs> it's starting to be where offense goes to die. If you pass the ball to Kevin Cabral, the play is going to die and it can't, you know, I'm all for giving the guy time, by the way, everybody who wants to like write him off and get rid of him and blah, 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 blah. No, he gets in quite honestly, he gets the whole season. I, I know that's crazy, but as a young player, he gets the whole season to try to figure he this out. He actually gets five seasons. It's a five-year contract, <laughs> and it's over $5 million. So uh, he gets at least five seasons. Yeah, and and so, you know, there's there there was so much good positional play, too. And that's what's really disappointing, because to find Cabral in those spaces, right? Vanny talked about it a little bit, but, you know, I saw it early on, too. The positional play, the passing, there were a couple times in there where I think the LA Galaxy let off once they got towards the box, right? There was a couple times where the passing was quick, Kevin. The positional uh, movement was really strong, finding the half spaces, being able to turn with the ball, knowing where each other was. I mean, you saw some of that. Somebody said it was almost the return of sexy soccer, and there was some sexy soccer played on Saturday night, or excuse me, Sunday night, um, but they, they didn't have that finish. They did not have somebody who could finish the ball. Well, there was some sexy soccer played Saturday night, too. It was just at the Coliseum. And I was just going to ask you, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos scored in that game. And, and you know, you talk about how effective the Galaxy was offensively doing everything but scoring the goal, which is kind of the point. I just w kind of wonder on one hand whether Jonathan Dos Santos would have made a difference. On the other hand, it wasn't getting the ball to the forwards. It was getting the ball past the goalkeeper. That was the problem. So maybe Jonathan doesn't make that much of a difference. I don't know. Um. Yeah, I mean, listen, it certainly feels like and and there's rumors around right now that Jonathan Dos Santos will not return next year. But it certainly feels like with Revolution in there now that the LA Galaxy have a pure six. Um, and by the way, somebody, I think, wanted to argue with me on Twitter that um, I said, you know, the LA Galaxy really haven't had a six since Perry Kitchen left. So it really wasn't that long ago. And they're like, Perry Kitchen, what did he win? I'm like, it doesn't matter what he won. He was a six. That was a dedicated... Kevin. Kevin Kitchen. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, uh, so, but Perry Kitchen was there. He was a six. He is a central defensive midfielder. He is a guy who is in there. You know, Nigel DeYoung was, is a six. Duh. Uh, you know, he's, he's a dedicated person. Revolution is a six. The LA Galaxy didn't have a six until Revolution came on here because Jonathan Dos Santos plays it. But in my mind, Dos Santos is more of an eight. Um, you know, Vasquez is 
more of an attacking central midfielder and less of an eight. You know, the eight is sort of the box to box guy. Cushion's more attacking. Um, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos is the box to box, so he's more of an eight. But there was no six, and with Revolution, they now have a six. But that means that if Jonathan Dos Santos plays in this in this formation, that you are going to get more of an eight out of Jonathan Dos Santos. And as we saw him play with Mexico, he can score goals whenever he gets forward. We know this. Um, now I'm not sure what it was. Nigeria, who they played, is that who it was? Yeah, it was a really young team. I think they had a total of five international caps going into the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was bad. Um, it was, it was not a good game. Uh, and but at the same time, you know, it was sort of, you know, hey, Jonathan Dos Santos scored against Nigeria. That's great, and he should. Um, I'm not saying that's MLS quality players uh, there for for Nigeria and in some in some instances. Um, but you know, Jonathan Dos Santos needs to be free. We talk about Sebastian Legit all the time. And I think there was going to be more focus on him in this game, especially without, uh, you know, Jonathan Dos Santos there, without Chicha playing, that maybe Sebastian Lejet would sort of step forward. Um, and we continue to see that, jo- that that Sebastian Lejet is better in the with the U.S. men's national team right now than he is with the LA Galaxy. And he's not comfortable with the LA Galaxy. I can't say that. Um, I thought he played okay. He wasn't completely, mis- you know, gone. But you're looking, when he plays for the U.S. men's national team, he is a game changer, which is crazy to think with all the talented players they have. He really does do a lot of good things for them. You know how that came about? I actually talked to Greg Berhalter about that. I think we talked about this earlier. Um Berhalter said Vanny is going to figure it out. He said Sebastian took a while to grow on us and being around him and finding out what makes him tick as a person and translating that into what makes him tick as a player. Berhalter apparently went through this long process and maybe he does it with every player, but he certainly found a place for Legette to play. And he pointed out to me, he said, you saw him when he first came in under our program. And what did we do with him? We played him just like Greg Vanny does. We played him, you know, back on the other end, and he was totally ineffective. And we never saw him do anything that, you know, was spectacular. Then we moved him up, and he was a totally different guy, and that fit him. He goes, Greg, Berhalter said, Greg Vanny will figure this out, and and he will find a role for Lejet. But you're right. You see him on the national team, and you think, wow, this guy's a great player. And you see him with the Galaxy, and it's like, yeah, he's good. He's a starter. He's solid, but it's just a whole different kind of player and by the way speaking of nigeria you know richmond ted lasso has three nigerians on the team i heard that i saw it was at a fourth of july parade on uh, on on the fourth what do you know um and somebody had a tottenham uh a tottenham hotspur jersey with lasso on the back so i thought i thought that was interesting i'm like i don't think that's not how that works that's you're you're just appropriating lasso ted lasso for your for your spurs um which i think is uh is not not correct is not correct so well, would you rather have Lasso or Jose Mourinho? Um, Lasso, obviously. Every, yeah. Who wouldn't want Ted Lasso at this point um, for for their coach? Uh, except, except you know what? I think the LA Galaxy are pretty happy with Greg Vanny. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say too. we we talked about it before we started, but uh, you know, Toronto FC fired Armas after eleven uh, eleven games. A- another original Galaxy guy, it, part of that original group with Robin Frazier and 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 uh, um, Vanny. Right. A lot of coaches came out of that uh, big. Collegeman was there. Right. Hartman came the second year. Yep. But yeah, Armas was one of that. And when that happened, my first thought was Armas left, I think, the Red Bulls to go to Toronto. And my first thought was that went with the, the train wreck that Toronto's been this year. They've only got one win. Last year they were uh went to the final week of the season uh competing for the uh supporter shield. Now they have one win this year. Whether Vanny knew that was coming, I think Vanny would have left for the galaxy regardless if he had had the chance. Yeah. But Certainly, he got out of there quick, and you just wonder if he knew that uh, everything was about to fall apart. Yeah, uh, Toronto lost seven to one to DC United, um, so that was that was sort of, I guess, the straw that broke the camel's back there. So Armis is out. Um, Greg Vanny, maybe, maybe, like you said, maybe he knew something was coming down the, the line there. So um, that was that was all interesting. I, you know, for me. Um, I don't think there's a lot to sort of uh, second guess here with with Vanny and what he did in this game against Sporting Kansas City. The LA Galaxy had plenty of chances to sort of open this up. Maybe you go a little more direct in the second half. Um, I liked bringing in Dunbar. I thought it was time to bring in Dunbar whenever he did. The only thing I would have done was kept Cabral out on the left-hand side and moved Dunbar up top because I thought that Sporting Kansas City's back line was susceptible to Dunbar's speed. And I was I was interested to see how Dunbar sort of played up in that spot. Um, and so, uh, you know, he ended up going out to the left or, or the right. And then Cabral came into the center. And for me right now, uh, Cabral is not the not the 
center that I think everybody wants. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff, though, Kevin, whenever you look at Augie Williams, who was left on the bench in this. And, you know, basically, I think Vanny used four of his five subs because they only had uh, six players on the bench and one of them was a goalkeeper. Right. And so he used four of the six and Augie Williams and the goalkeeper uh, didn't play. Um, but a lot of people were questioning why Augie Williams didn't come into this game or play instead of Zubac and everything else. And Greg Vanny went. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain this. It wasn't a hit job. He was asked the question. And to me, Greg Vanny is a no BS type of guy. At least that's what I've, I've taken so far through, you know, 11 games is that Greg's going to tell you how it is and how it sits. Um, you know, the reaction that you, and you'll get to what he said in a minute and people probably already know some of it, but the reaction to that always, it always stuns me is, is we as journalists or people in the media, we complain. It's fans too. We complain when a coach doesn't doesn't say anything truthful, but then we complain when he does. If you know, if he if he had said, well, you know, Augie, this wasn't the place to play, and we would have said, uh, he's kind of mealy mouth. But then he goes off and tells us what he really thinks, and then people are saying that's too strong. Yeah. You know, which, which which way do you want it? I I prefer, and I think I bet you Augie does too. I think he would prefer for Greg to tell truthfully. Maybe he doesn't want Greg to tell us. But uh, I'm sure that Augie wants to know the truth. Uh, let's uh, let's get to Greg Vanny. This was Gio Garcia asked this question, um, which I thought was an interesting one and a good one. And like I said, Greg won't shy away from these questions. So we have the audio from uh, from the press conference. So here's Greg Vanny talking about uh, Augie Williams. I think if I got this keyed up correctly. As far as Augie, I think he needs to continue to to work. I think he's um, you know to be candid since he signed a contract. I haven't personally seen enough from him. I think he needs to work harder. I think he needs to to uh, be more effective. I think he needs to, to earn his opportunities on the field through his performances and through his play, both with our team and with the second team. And so um, when he's ready for that, then then he'll be out on the field and, and uh, fighting to help us to win games. But since he signed a contract, I, for me, I've seen a dip a little bit in his, his overall um, just performance and, and, and we're seeing it off and on. So, uh, you know, I, uh, I hope he gets it because he's capable of scoring goals, but I, I just want to see him push. I want him to know that he's got to fight for it, and when he fights for it, he's got a real chance to help us out. All right, there was uh, there was Greg Vanny talking about Augie Williams. Um, Damian Calhoun, we were sitting in there, said, uh, dang, the only thing Vanny didn't do was add him on Twitter, right? You know, it was like one of those. It's like, he, I mean, he didn't pull any punches um, with that. I think it, it's, you know, and I've seen the overreaction on Twitter to this. I, I th- I'm sort of with you. I think I think Augie Williams already knew this. I'm sure Greg Van- Greg Vanny already told him. And if not, you know what? Guess what? You're professional. This is part of it. Um, and I've talked to some people who've watched Augie Williams play down with LA Galaxy 2 as well. And they're not surprised by the comments that Greg Vanny made um, at all. Here's the thing, though. People are, are like panicking because, you know, there's a good likelihood, Kevin, that Chicharito's not going to be able to play Wednesday, which means that Ethan Zubak may start again up top or the Galaxy may go into some other formation that maybe doesn't use Ethan Zubak. But, you know, there's some certainly some criticism again, Ethan Zubak about whether or not he's MLS caliber quality and whether he can play. Um, but people are, are like, oh, well, Greg Vanny's going to start Augie Williams after he says this. This was just to fire him up. That does not feel like the Greg Vanny that I know so far, uh, Kevin, and maybe you could disagree. But uh, for me, the Greg Vanny that I know so far said that that way Augie Williams would start putting in the work. And whenever he puts in the work, Greg isn't going to be like, oh, you worked hard for two days. You heard him there. He said it's been on and off. He goes, it's not about working hard for two days. Greg Vanny wants to see him work hard for the next month, right? He wants to see him work hard for the next, you know, two weeks before he's going to earn a chance and earn some of, you know, Greg Vanny's, um, you know, playing time back. Uh, there's no panic in Greg Vanny with Augie Williams. He's not going to just throw him out there and start him. Uh, watch, he'll start him on Wednesday and I'll look like a moron. But for me, there is no panic in Greg Vanny. And he is saying that Augie Williams, listen, you got to, you got to do better. Um, and the fact that he was on the bench is a question. Like if he's not going to play, then why is he even on the bench? But I have a feeling a short bench and, you know, injuries to anybody on the front line might have necessitated Augie Williams get playing time instead of uh, Greg Vanny having the option on him. So um, I, I think Augie will be good for this. And so far, he seems to be a fighter. He seems to be a guy who wants to fight for these things. Um, and so we'll see. We'll see what comes. He just, came, he just came back from playing for his national team in Africa, too. So. Yep. A little bit of confidence, maybe a little bit of, of fatigue. But it's interesting what you said about whether or not they'll use Ethan Zubek because, I, you know, it, this seems to be a perpetual uh, conversation in soccer. 
the Galaxy, like LAFC, even more with LAFC, they are locked into a style of play and a formation. And you see coaches trying to force players into those roles. When a Carlos fellow goes out, they don't say, well, we'll play a different style. No, they've tried to find another guy to play Vela's spot, and it doesn't work. Right. Um, is Vanny, Vanny seems a lot more amenable to moving things around, seems a lot more flexible, a lot more uh, looking at the formation as to what you want to accomplish and not being so staid. So, uh, you know, Vasquez was playing sort of as the forward or the target striker, if he, you will. He was definitely a 10, at least a 10. And then maybe he was, like you said, he was up above and in, in some different places. I'll, I'll look at the passing map while you talk so I can sort of see where Uh-oh, Vasquez, the Rhombus again. Where Vasquez sort of, yeah, I mean, up there, up top next to, uh, next to Ethan Zubak. So he was, he was absolutely so, there. Because, I mean, if you look at the roster and you don't play and you say, OK, we're going to play the way we play with Chicharito. If you don't put Zubek in there and you don't put Augie Williams in there, you can't play that formation unless, again, you know, you use Victor Vasquez up there. So it, it, we're not looking just at who's in the lineup, but when you decide on who those 11 players are, the 10 field players, the next move Vanny has to make is, OK, then how do I deploy them? Yeah. What's the best way to do that? Do I have five midfielders and four defenders? Is that the best way that this works? Uh, I think that uh, it's funny because we see all this and, and certainly the chat room um, and people on Twitter, too. A lot of people are sort of writing off Kevin Cabral, right, saying, oh, he can't play there the whole deal. You know, they're different situations than Augie Williams, right? So we look at Augie Williams and this is a guy who's coming up, who's who Greg Vanny wants him to earn a spot, right? Kevin Cabral was out there and his play in League Two has already earned him a starting spot. Now he has to keep that and you want to see him do that. But one of the things that you can't do with young players, Kevin, is absolutely destroy any confidence they have uh, by like sitting somebody like Kevin Cabral. You want to you want to wreck Cabral, go ahead and sit him right now. Um, do that. So he has to play through this. He has to. Um, and I think that the the coaching staff has seen what he was able to do in League Two and is expecting that same level here in MLS. And until he proves he absolutely can't reach that level for whatever reason, um, then I think they're gonna they're gonna keep putting him out there in order to to get him the experience that he needs. And like you said, five year five year deal here. This is not a short term project for for the LA Galaxy. And him being as young as he is absolutely affects um, you know how and what you do with him and how you develop him and how you bring him on. And I don't know that I would trust anybody more than Greg Vanny at this point to get the most out of him. Dude, don't you feel that he's maybe one goal away from the floodgates just opening? Yeah. Once one ball goes in, it changes everything. You've seen that happen a number of times. Guys, you know, in bad luck, get stopped by the goalkeeper, make bad decisions. Just one ball goes in and all of a sudden it changes their outlook. Yeah. Um, anything else on this game that we, anybody else on the field that maybe we wanted to talk about? Well, I, 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 I don't know how much we've gone over Vanny's comments of we played our best game of the season against Seattle and we lost. Then we did even better in this game, played our best game of the season this time and lost. Um, he said it's time, you know, we're, we're beyond moral victories now. We have to victory victories. Those are the ones that count in the standings. Yeah, you, you said, uh, you, what did you say in the press box? You said, uh, you know, the, the LA Galaxy better stop playing so well, otherwise they're never going to win another game. Right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it's and, and there's something to that. Um, here, let's we can go over Greg Vanny. Let's hit his his sort of summation of the night, and then we'll move on to our breaking news. I, I said the same thing to the players in the locker room just now. I thought for, you know, 78 minutes, it was arguably the best game we've played all year. Um, I thought our, our ball circulation, our ball movement, uh, our positional play, our relationships on the field, our chance creation, I thought it was all was all was outstanding. The part that missed was put the ball in the back of the net, the piece where you where you create so many chances, the ball, we have to score uh, because doesn't matter how, how well you play. In some ways, we're in a process, and we're trying to teach these to get everybody on the same page, and we're bringing new guys in. Ryan, new player today in the mix. Uh, so there, there is something to be to take away from the game because we did do a lot of things well over the course of the game. But at the end of the day, we want to win the game, right? We don't want to keep talking about moral performance victories. However, there are some some really good takeaways, but we need to score. We deserve to to take something out of this game. We said it after the Seattle game, and and now this is two home games in a row where we felt like we've uh, outperformed an, another very good opponent and didn't come away with the win. So um, I want them to recognize the the good things in the game, um, but to also be frustrated that we didn't uh, we didn't win the game. All right. and, and you know what? That's exactly the message I believe that Vanny gave his players because he could see they were frustrated. We could see it in the press box. By the 65th minute, every time there was a, 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 um, a shot that 
didn't go in. You'd see guys throwing their hands up, and they were getting super frustrated. And before they went off into the night, Fanny wanted them to know that they had played a great game and that just keep doing what you're doing. It's going to pay off. The last thing you want is a guy to go home from that and say, we've got to change everything. It's not working. We're not scoring goals. No, uh, you guys played a great game. It just, it, you know, it, the other team got a little lucky or the breaks went their way, whatever you want to call it. Um, I believe Vanny gave his players the same message he gave us. You know, we played a great game. It just wasn't good enough, but keep doing this because it's going to pay off. Yeah, the LA Galaxy uh, totaled uh, seven shots on target in the game, six on target for Sporting Kansas City. Uh, the LA Galaxy didn't get any of those to go in the net. Uh, interesting on the expected goal side, uh, it had uh, it had the LA Galaxy at 1.9 uh, expected goals and 1.8 for Sporting Kansas City. Uh, SKC's jumps up a lot because of that Saldana giveaway. Um, so, you know, whenever you're trying to sort of parse out where this is and how this sort of sits, um, for me, you know, it, it sits in, in those spaces. And if you look through basically the first 50 minutes, uh, Sporting Kansas City had a zero expected goal uh, rate on, on that because the LA Galaxy did such a great job defensively. Again, uh, Revolution, he was one of the reasons the LA Galaxy were so good. And quite honestly, Sega Koulibaly has come in and been, I think, Almost perfect. A little hiccup here and there. Uh, nothing major, nothing to worry about. And you appreciated the fact that he was able to sort of fill in immediately and make those impacts. So uh, if he can't go, um, yeah, it, then then you have some more problems. Uh, you know, Revolution's probably going to play center back. That's probably how it's going to go. But like you said, uh, we'll have to wait. The LA Galaxy scheduled a media call on Tuesday, um, and which is tomorrow. We're recording on Monday night on Tuesday. Um, so we should know more about some injury status of some players and, and sort of where that goes. But I wouldn't expect a drastic change in anybody's status uh, for the game against uh, Dallas well, coming and, up. And, and another thing with Brian, if he if he if he plays and say he can't play and he can't play for a couple of uh, games, that delays that whole chemistry building thing, which is another thing that Vanny talks about. So many players coming in, you know, five or six starters coming in new this year. They haven't played a ton of minutes together. I mean, Kolabali just got here. Uh, uh, Cabral hasn't been here all that long. Grand Sierra's been here the whole time. But but now Ryan comes in. These guys need to play with each other, especially the guys on the defensive end. They need to get some chemistry. And if these injuries keep one guy out and 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 make, you know, a, another player play a different position and move him from holding midfielder back to center back, that just delays that whole process that Greg's trying to work on to get people into their positions to get comfortable with one another. Yeah. And that it, takes time. Yeah, it does. Um, if by my count, either the fifth or sixth best start still for the LA galaxy after 11 games with 21 points. So still, you know, nothing we had talked though, had the LA galaxy won the game, it would be the third best start, uh, through 11 games in, in franchise history. So, uh, sort of keep that in mind, uh, as we, as we go forward as well. All right. Um, Let's turn the page a little bit here. Uh, I promised, or at least I didn't promise. Um, I said that uh, I said that we would have some breaking news. Um, I figured we might. Uh, and Kevin, I know that uh, you and I talked about it last night, and so uh, so I think you're ready to to break some news. So go ahead and do that. Yeah, uh, Julian Araujo signed a a contract extension, a five year contract, a four and a half season, so through 2025. He signed the paperwork on Friday. Uh, he's going to be a U22 initiative player. Um, his base salary right now is 140,000. So that'll go up with that U22 initiative thing. Um, that will be announced tomorrow morning. The guys will announce that tomorrow morning. They actually signed the contract on Friday. Apparently MLS is still going over the paperwork. Remember they did such a great job with doing that with the Miami contract. So that same, uh, Keystone cop team is looking at this paperwork, but, uh, unless there's, there's a hiccup between now and then it'll be announced tomorrow morning. Um, they are also looking at getting a very similar deal done with Efrain Alvarez. This one appears to be not, uh, well, the Araujo one is done. This one is not done. Right. Um, uh, there's been a couple of problems with it. One is uh, Efrain's away with the Mexican national team. Um, why that would stop his agent from negotiating the contract, why they can't fax him the papers. Actually, they're training at Dignity Health Sports Park, or they were. Why they couldn't get the papers signed there, I don't know. But I'm just told that... Julian will be announced tomorrow. Efrain's still in the works. I also would expect that's a U22 initiative. Sorry, he's making 104000 this year. So why are they doing this? Why does Kevin Cabral have a five-year contract with a six-year option? Why are they signing these guys? The Cabral contract is the longest in Galaxy history. Efrain, my, or, uh, Julian, my understanding, is the second longest. Why sign these young players, Cabral's 22, to long-term contracts? Well, it's because these guys are getting a lot of attention from Europe. I think the Galaxy fully expects Cabral, who I said he's 22. He turns 22 this week or next week. 
they fully expect him to go back to Europe sometime in the next five years, which is why his contract is at length. Um, Joey Naranjo earlier this year in January was very much, Tottenham was very uh, much after him. Juventus has talked to him. Um, the Galaxy expect him to go to Europe, and then everyone's been talking about Efrain for forever. Right. The Galaxy want to get these things locked up so that when these guys get this, these transfer offers, and that the offer for Julian was over $6.5 million, I believe, from Tottenham, or at least that's the figures that were talked about. When they make these transfer deals, they have to go through the Galaxy because these guys are song long, songed long-term. So they have Efrain and uh, Araujo through their age 24 seasons. Um, to get something done with a European team. That's a pretty good bet. Either they're going to go to Europe by 24 or they're not going to go to Europe forever and you keep the guy for five years. Do, do we think this is a long-term hold? I mean, I have my own opinions on it. Do you think this is more like, oh, well, Julian Araujo is eventually going to go to Europe in the next, you know, but it's not going to be happen this year, but it'll happen in the next three years? I mean, is that is that sort of, or or is this more about locking him up because they realize that this is probably happening sooner rather than later and they want to get that value for that contract? I, I You know what? It's surprising. I think it's a little bit of both. I think they feel like the market right now is pretty hot. And as, as teams come out of COVID, they have some pent up spending they want to get to. Julian has already got a lot of attention. I think they feel like Efrain, maybe if he starts to play a little bit with the Mexican national team, will start to get some attention. I think they already believe that, that Julian's getting that attention. So I think it's sort of a little bit of both. I mean, you've seen players like, again, I hate to keep using the other team as an example, but remember two years ago, everybody wanted Diego Rossi. Now, the market's pretty chill on Diego Rossi with LAFC. Right. So I think they're looking at it and saying, look, if Julian's going to go now, let's get him locked up. And if he doesn't, then we get to keep him. The other thing with that too is when teams start to negotiate, let's just say they sign Julian to a two-year extension. Teams can look at him and say, look, let's wait. He's only going to be 21 in two years. Right. When you lock him up to 24, teams have to go through the galaxy now. They're not going to wait till he's 24. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, again, I'm of the opinion that Julian Araujo goes either, you know, either this summer or this winter just because of how he's playing. Uh, he has been consistently one of the best players on the LA Galaxy this season outside of his first couple of games. Uh, he is, uh, you know, everything that we sort of said about Augie Williams, you know, needing to fight for it, needing to overcome. Julian Araujo has done that at every sort of step. Anytime anybody has put anything in front of him, um, he has jumped over it and he has come out a better player on that. You can see him improving. He's smarter um, with the way. Remember all the stupid fouls that he gave away last year and you're seeing not doing it this year, not doing it this year, right? Greg Vanny, the 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 Araujo whisperer over there um, seems to really have found a good balance for Julian Araujo. And so um, listen, I think if you're the LA Galaxy and you say, well, we could have Julian Araujo for for the next five years, I mean, you're jumping up and down. You have a right back who is, I'm going to say, you know, upper level, borderline national team, whether it's Mexico or the United States, um, national team caliber player who is going to be starting for you every game at right back. That's huge. Um, and I think there's part of that that's like if it never happens, if they never get, if they never sell him, um, then they're perfectly happy keeping him for the life of his contract. Uh, that being said, I don't think that's the case. Um, and they want to know, listen, the LA Galaxy have... Uh, given away so much in young talent over the years where they've gotten absolutely nothing. Um, and so it is, uh, it's interesting to see uh, how they sort of put all this stuff together. And the LA Galaxy, um, because of Cabral's young designated player uh, designation, and by the way, current rules say that you cannot TAM him his, and you cannot use him as a U22 player, Cabral, because his salary is too high and the transfer fee for that is too high. Both of those things combined means that he, you can't TAM him and you can't make him a U22 player, but he can be a young designated player. Um, and that's where the LA Galaxy have him. But with his young designated player uh, designation, the LA Galaxy can sign up to three U22 players. Um, and because of that, uh, you're seeing possibly, it looks like for sure one and possibly even the second one with Efra. And by the way, somebody's saying that ESPN is announcing that Efra and Alvarez is going to have a two year extension with the LA galaxy. Um, so we'll see if, they, if that all falls out, Kevin, I don't know. They're, that's what they said in the chat room. Somebody said it was just while we were recording. So I just want to throw that out just in case. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, like I said, Julian signed on Friday and, and, uh, you know, his agent and, and the galaxy said, you know, let, let's sort of. Keep 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 a keep, lid on keep it. that to ourselves yeah, until until yes uh, MLS checks it. You know th this whole MLS checking process, by the way, is ridiculous. And we know in Miami, it, it really <laughs> what are they checking? Yeah, nothing. But in any case, the idea was don't say anything now because MLS could blow this thing up. But it looks like it's going forward. So if Julian goes forward, 
then Afra is going to come right after that. Yeah, it's uh, it's good. Uh, I like the LA Galaxy locking up that they're going to make money off those deals. That's the idea behind that. And by the way, the Chivas uh, Guadalajara uh, rumors about Efrain Alvarez are, are again heating up a little bit. So um, I don't know. Well, if any- and if they sign the Galaxy, sign them at the transfer to them, they they make you know, some money. And, and and you know who knows how these things happen. I don't. But Dennis used to work for Chivas. Who's to say Dennis didn't get word of this or would go to Chivas and say, we'll sign him. You guys get the transfer. Everybody's happy. Right. Um, that wouldn't surprise me at all. It, it, it was, it's all, I mean, there's all a whole bunch of things that are sort of connected in all this. So keep, well, keep your eyes and, on and, that. And with, with Efra one more time is he just committed to the Mexican national team mm-hmm. going to Chivas. If, if he wants to play for the Mexican national team and he does, and he has to go somewhere Chivas would be the ideal place for him to go, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, it would. I, I can see that. I, I always thought that, you know, a Liga MX team was going to be one of the places that, that Efrain might see where they still where they see a huge upside in him. Uh, I'll be absolutely 100%, and I've been 100%, you know, clear and truthful on, on where I see Efrain. Um, he's done relatively little in his time with the LA Galaxy to prove to me that he is, you know, the caliber that some people think he's going to be. Um, I was talking with another reporter uh, about this uh, a couple weeks ago and they asked me, they're like, you know, um, this is not for publication, but you know, what do you think? Do you think he ever makes it? Um, and I said, no, um, I don't. And you know, people can get angry for that all you want. Just show me where he has shown that he is, you know, on anywhere near the same level where Julian Rajo is right now. Um, and yes, they play different positions. Understood. There's more technical ability for Efrain. There's a whole bunch of things that happen. He's a younger player as well. You know, maybe this is Efrain's breakout year, getting some time with the Mexican national team. But um, as far as the LA Galaxy are concerned, outside of the goal that he scored against Vancouver, um, he, he has done fairly little um, for the LA Galaxy this time. But there's enough hype. There's enough drive around him. There's enough upside for him that I can see the LA Galaxy going out there and making sure that, they, again, they keep the value for, for Efrain Alvarez. And he goes to Chivas, a lot of good young players looking like tuna, guys who are going to be in their national team program for a long time. It would be a, a really good fit for him. I mean, I definitely see Araujo going to Europe. That's where he fits in. I think Efrain would be much better suited to go to Mexico just with his, now that he's picked a career path. I, I think Julian Araujo goes somewhere in Spain. I'm calling. I'm calling it. He's he's going somewhere in Spain. That's my guess. I don't know. I was trying to figure where where I think he will develop in a way. And I think you know a middle table Spanish team where he starts um, familiar with the uh, with the language helps. Um, also could see like Germany. Uh, certainly, I think that they would be high on somebody like like well, Julian uh, like a, a Julian Araujo. Wh- well, you know Barcelona just let a big contract go. Maybe he could go there. But you know if he know. goes to Barcelona, if he goes to Barcelona. That's the same reason he didn't join the national team. He doesn't want to play behind Serginho Dets. If he goes to Barcelona, it's like, yeah, I uh, Barca too. I know. No, there's, there's a lot of that. Um, sporting Kansas city currently in first place. Uh, whenever we look at the standings, 26 points, uh, tied with Seattle for 26 right now, Seattle has a better points per game. Uh, if you'll remember sporting Kansas city has two games in hand over the LA galaxy. So there's a chance to make up those points. Uh, galaxy at 1.91 points per game, sporting Kansas city at two. So they're real right neck and neck as we, uh, as we look at their, Galaxy, despite the loss, stayed in the third place. Kevin, Colorado is in fourth place. You have LAFC in fifth, uh, Minnesota in sixth, Houston in seventh. Uh, you go Portland, RSL, uh, Austin, San Jose, and the LA Galaxy's opponent, uh, FC Dallas, coming up with uh, 11 points through 11 games right now. Uh, two wins, four losses, and five draws for FC Dallas, who who have been, I thought, getting a little bit better. Um, well, they had a stoppage time goal to tie Vancouver. But you said something earlier. You said the Galaxy, you identified them as a top five or six team in the West. And that stopped me because I don't – who else is – I mean, Colorado, maybe they seem to be playing really well. Robin Frazier, another original Gal- OG, original Galaxy's got them playing really well. Uh, LAFC does not look good. I don't think Minnesota's a, a full team. I don't know. Maybe it's the top four. I mean, I, I just don't – I don't think the Galaxy is is worse than any of the the top four right now. I don't I, – they're better than LAFC. They're better than Minnesota. They're better than anybody other than maybe Colorado and the two top – teams tied for first. I mean, I agree with you. I think that they, you know, having not seen them match up against Colorado and Colorado's a sneaky good team, right? I mean, Robin Frazier has that team playing well. Um, so you, let's, let's put that into perspective just a little bit there. Um, but you know, I, I just don't want to say that, you know, they're definitely a top three team. They played really good well against sporting Kansas city. They played really well against Seattle. 
they, they don't have any points from that, right? And so that's one of those things that you sit there. But there's also this balance, right? We've talked about the LA Galaxy winning games that maybe they shouldn't have won so far this year. They didn't play very well. They didn't win the expected goals battle, right? I mean, really, they, they won some games they probably shouldn't have. Well, they've also lost some games that they should have won. Um, so there's a fair balance, I think, so far with this Galaxy team. But if you're telling me, you know, top four in the West, I, I can't disagree. I, I'm with you. You know, you go through and start looking at this and with even FC Dallas, they're 12th in the Western Conference. The LA Galaxy should absolutely beat FC Dallas, even though Dallas is getting better. Um, you know, there's there's and so far we've seen the Galaxy beat the teams they're supposed to beat. Maybe not always pretty, but they beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. So this FC Dallas game coming up 730 p.m. Spectrum Sportsnet. Uh, so you have Kobe Jones and uh, Joe Tutino and uh, and Nikki Kay on the call again for you. So um, you can get ready for that. Uh, and it's a Wednesday night game. Short rest. Dallas also played over the weekend. So their short rest as they come to uh, to L.A. to play as well. So um, some interesting little intersections here with this game coming up. And we found out some other stuff this weekend, didn't we? We found out from the Kansas City sideline reporter that teams are now flying day ahead of game on charters, which uh, that that whole thing of traveling day of game, that's that's apparently out because there's no reason that they should have come, Kansas City should have come that early. It was a night game. Right. Um, but they, they came early afternoon uh, uh, the day before the game. So which everybody's traveling a day ahead of game time. By yeah. the way, I, I just want to say I hope Colorado keeps playing well. Robin Frazier is a great guy. And he came into a really tough position, and uh, you know, he was an assistant of Vanny's in Toronto, uh, as we mentioned in original uh, Galaxy and OG, and doing a great job there in Colorado. I hope he keeps it up. So, I mean, you know, there. Let's say Chicharito can't play. All right. So he's. I mean, I'm. I'm kind of. I'm ruling him out in my head because I'm sort of with you, which is let's just you just rest him. It doesn't matter what it is. Just rest him. Not a big deal. It is what it is. The LA Galaxy, as constituted, though, are going to probably be down a center back. Um, and so, you know, revolution is probably going to have to go back and play, um, center back. So that's one thing that's going to happen. Um, then we look at, you know, what's going to happen in the midfield. Well, you have Vasquez, you have Kleshton, you have Legette, who's supposed to be staying for this Wednesday night game as well. Um, so, you know, you can piece together a midfield again. I have a feeling the bench is going to be short. Um, and maybe Daniel Starez recovers enough to be able to be set, sat on the bench. Maybe that's something that can happen they, for you. They gotta, they gotta have a center back there. I mean, if the, you know, are you available? Yeah, somebody said that if anybody else got injured, that I would have to have to uh, go in, and I'm like, I'll yeah, start it, stretching now. <laughs> if Starez, if Starez can walk, I think he's he's got to be there, even if it means playing the last ten minutes, because uh, you know King Julius can't move because of the heat. Um, they've got to have a center back. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe they go down to Galaxy 2 and try to look for it. Jalen Neal is recovering from stress fracture, so he's technically, I think, still not available, although he may be closer than than we haven't gotten an update on him in a little while. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the last one. And we should point out, this is the last one, and then Derek Williams becomes available for the July 17th game, right? So that that yes. that immediately clears up at least one spot there, and you would hope that Sega Koulibaly's injury, whatever it is, isn't serious. And who knows? Greg Vanny was sort of on the fence with that, right? He was like, well, he said it really hurt, and then he said he wanted to go back in and then he said he moved and he felt it. And so he wasn't really sure. I mean, I think we're all sort of just waiting to find out, you know, what Sega's. Uh, that that one looked bad, though. I it did. It pretty bad. It, it absolutely did. Um, we're getting some uh, some some volunteers in the chat room who said that Vanny can call them and they'll play. Uh, they'll suit up. So you saw Brian Rowe the other day. I did. Uh, I was I was stuck in the stadium with Brian Rowe as, as I was trying to leave. So um, you got locked into the stadium again, though, right? And you set off the alarm trying to leave. I did set off the alarm. I'm the one. They're going to come there and arrest me now. Hmm. It, the, the, it, there was no one to open the door. It was like walk to the other side of the stadium through the through the uh, the locker room area and the uh, what do they call that um, loading dock tower? Oh, yeah, loading, loading dock, dock and then go. Yeah, it's no. It's either uh, make the alarm go off or do that. And I chose the alarm. You're you're you are a rebel without a cause, sir. Absolutely without a cause, zero cause. But yes, you're there. Talking um, about a revolution. Oh. You're just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to, I can trust you um, anymore with, with most of these. So uh, that's what you get. Galaxy beat Dallas. I mean, this seems like they should, right? They've won the games they were supposed to win. You said that multiple times. They're this is the win. game they're supposed to win. They're supposed to win. I think it's a two nothing game. Um, quite honestly, you, you need to see people. Should be more. It, I, mean, I think the Galaxy need a blowout. I mean, they had one against San Jose, right? That was their first comfortable win. It was putting people away early so that way you didn't have to struggle and suffer for the game. We saw the but, LA but, Galaxy suffer. I mean, they did not finish, and they suffered in that game. Perfect Greg Vanny Think about that. Two great games they played at home, Seattle and Kansas City. Wonderful games. They lost both. They, they need a blowout, just something to say, 
all this hard work is paying off. They need a, a four to nothing or a five to nothing win. I don't know if they'll get it, but I just feel like that's that kind of what the doctor ordered. And then they take that into a ten day break where they they have ten days to think about how great they are. I just I can't with this schedule. This schedule this week, like this month, is nuts. Remember, the Galaxy have six games, right? So in in July, they played their first one. They'll play their second one. They'll then have a ten day break, and they have four more games to play with the remainder of the uh, of the of the half. Of, of a month they'll have four more games so a tough a tough schedule in terms of turnarounds and everything else that is sort of coming uh right now for the la galaxy and uh, you know some some difficult games we've talked about it on a bunch of different shows some difficult games so uh i hopefully will be there on wednesday night i'm planning on it so uh that seems to be there i think larry said he was going to be there uh, are you going to be there on wednesday night i will be we don't know about chicharito though uh, that's true we we don't know if he will um the other part of this is that you are getting ready to go to the olympics and we've talked about that as well so, i am yeah i am july you you go after the july 17th game if i remember Correct. correctly okay i go so, on july 18th and we're going to try to record while you're in japan while you're in tokyo for the olympics right i it sounds like i'll be stuck in my hotel room so i have nothing else to do that, <laughs> yes that works, that works. the All time right. changes we're gonna have to it's gonna be we're gonna be playing it by ear fingers crossed we'll see how we work so, yeah Marshall. well we yeah, did it well, in Russia. We did. So just tell all the listeners, check your daily listings uh, for time and date in your area. That's right. That's how it goes. All right. Very good. Uh, anything else, Kevin, you want to get to or, or you think? We're oh, ready? we got a ton. But everybody listen for Michael Araujo in this uh, and as we're going off the air. Listen to see if you can pick up the mistake. All right. I'm sure everybody will be waiting with uh, with bated yeah. breath. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Uh, Kevin Baxter, it's at kbaxter11 on Twitter. Uh, go ahead and find him, latimes.com. Olympic coverage coming up. He's going to be there. Uh, so make sure you check that out, latimes.com for Mr. Kevin Baxter. If you're looking for me on Twitter, at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And, of course, at Galaxy Podcast, cornerofthegalaxy.com, where you can find us videos. Uh, we have a post-game reaction video. We have the full media call after the game as well. Videos up there, some recaps, some articles. Larry has a great article on there so go check it out corner of the galaxy.com all right i think that about does it for mr kevin the panda baxter i'm josh pato guessman you've been listening you've been watching to corner of the galaxy from the box on corner of the galaxy.com have a great one everybody you've been listening to the corner of the galaxy podcast on corner of the galaxy.com you can follow the show on twitter and instagram at galaxy podcast and be sure to check out and subscribe to itunes stitcher and facebook by searching for corner of the galaxy Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.